Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hello, I'm Matt Silver, one of the pastors here at Experience. And whether you are watching from Facebook, YouTube, our website, or if you're listening via podcast, thank you so much for joining in. If you're like me, it's amazing how addicting it is to watch people do human tricks. Whether it's from America's Got Talent, Dude Perfect Video, or just thumbing through social media, it's fun to watch people do awesome things. Well, I thought it'd be fun to ask some people on Facebook to name some skills that they have that would surprise their friends. And it was not, un- there were some good results there, I'll just say that. Our very own Jeff Bryant, who's usually a, a chat host, he says he can crush cans with his shoulder blades. Impressive. Hannah, who attends here, she can touch her nose with her tongue. My friend Reed, he actually provided a picture of himself hanging three plastic spoons from his face, two from his ears and one from his nose. You know, some friends expose some cognitive abilities, like they can guess baby names. Somebody said they can always remember a birthday once they've been told. Some highlighted physical feats were touching their wrist with their hand. I cannot do that. Wiggling their ears. Some friends could do things they could actually teach us how to do. They were practical skills like upholstering a chair, learning a language, being a crowd pleaser by swallowing fire. Yes, someone could actually swallow fire. And my old next door neighbor, she said she can change military tank treads. That's impressive. Well, as gifted and talented as they all are, there's a skill we've been looking at over the past few weeks that all of us can do and all of us can learn to do even better, and that's pray. You know, Jesus' disciples, they asked Jesus to teach them a skill, and it's the only thing recorded in the Bible that they actually ask him him to teach them. And think for a moment about some of the things that they were able to witness. They saw that Jesus had power over nature. Jesus walked on water and could actually control the weather. The disciples saw him command the waves to be still, and they actually listened. They saw him turn water into wine, multiply loaves and bread and fish. They also saw he had power over disease and illness. They saw Jesus heal people physically. Lame and paralyzed people being able to walk, blind people having their sight restored, shriveled hands being stretched out, deaf people being able to hear. And they even saw Jesus raise a guy up from the dead. They saw Jesus' power over evil too. He cast out evil spirits and demons. But even through all of these abilities, the Bible only records them asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. Well, I've been thinking about that over the last few weeks, and of all the things they could have asked Jesus to show them, why would they choose to just say, teach us to pray? It's so private. It seems so eh. But I believe the disciples knew what they were doing, and they knew that there was something about Jesus that was different when he returned from praying. They had been taught how to pray, 
you know, they knew exactly how to pray. They could probably even move you to tears with some of the prayers that they learned as they witnessed other people do it. They could probably say just the right words to move us. They could have just the right pitch and tone and crescendo, and they could move a crowd. But I believe they saw something very different when they saw Jesus come back from prayer. They saw his, they saw his power. They saw his confidence. They saw the relationship he had with God, and that's why they asked him to teach them how to pray. And Jesus' response, Matthew summed it up, in just a handful of words. He gave them a model prayer that we've been studying over the last five weeks. A prayer that you've probably said, a prayer you may actually have memorized, and let's say it together now as we have every week thus far. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, it took us about 15 seconds to say that prayer. And over the last five weeks, we spent roughly 30 minutes looking at each of those five verses. And we unpacked it in about 150 minutes. But there's so much more to this prayer. This is a prayer that could reflect on so much longer. Each verse could actually be a series. But today, as we close out the series called Like This, I have a simple question for you. How has this series affected the way you pray or the way you talk to God? As a church wanting to impact our world, we cannot be satisfied just because we know how to pray more. We have more words to say. We have new thoughts or ideas about it. What's really important is that we're willing to apply the messages that we've actually learned. You know, our mission as a church is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. And it's easy to know how to love someone, but it's entirely different to actually love them, isn't it? It's one thing to know I'm supposed to forgive. It's another to continue to do life with someone that we've forgiven. In much the same way, it's easier to talk about prayer, to actually say, hey, what about this when you pray, than it is to actually spend time one-on-one with God. Well, prayer on one hand is very simple. It's just saying words or directing our thoughts toward God. But over time, our prayers should grow. As we grow in our faith, our conversations and prayers with God should grow in depth. Our prayer should evolve from merely asking God for a few things to actually becoming a conversation. And this is a lifelong process. I've never met someone who said, you know, I've arrived. I'm really happy with how I pray. No, it's something we'll continue to grow in. I'll give you an example of how my conversations with my oldest son, Ian, who's now a teenager, how they've evolved. You know, as a baby, he would have groans and grunts and, um, you know, just these fun little giggles. When he liked something, he would have a big smile on his face. He would coo make some happy sounds. When he was upset, he made this angry face. He whined and screamed. But then one day he started using words. That was a huge breakthrough. First it was just dada, then it was a couple words, and then it became sentences. And as he entered elementary school, he became more expressive and could share his thoughts, opinions, the things that excited him, the things that frustrated him. And now that he's 14, it's pretty interesting. He's actually revolved back to mostly grunting and one-word answers. Well, that there's some truth to that. I've also really enjoyed the deeper discussions we find ourselves in. The questions he asks, the way he sees the world, how he interacts with others, how he feels about being a teenager. He's so thankful and appreciative of the new freedoms he has that his younger brother doesn't have, but he always feels like he should have a little bit more. Well, this is exactly how we can mature in, communi- in our communication with God. Prayer is much the same way. It's beautiful to see someone begin having conversations with God. At first, they're not sure how formal they should be talking to the God of the universe. They, they don't sound like they're talking to how they would say to you or I. It's just kind of a very formal language as they pray. 
They wonder if there's secret code words that they should say. But then over time, they begin having real, honest conversations with God in prayer. They begin pouring their heart out and soul to God, and they begin to show some raw emotions and even express disappointment and frustrations to God. And they pray for these things that only God can provide. They start exposing secrets that they really won't share with anyone else. And when they say prayers that could actually stretch their faith, it's really cool to see. Well, as we've studied the Lord's Prayer, I hope it's caused you to reflect on your own prayer life. But before we move on to the next series, let's make sure we take the time to think how we can apply what we've learned. Whether you are new to prayer or you've been praying for God, to God for decades, today is about challenging each of us to identify and look for an area to grow in our prayer lives. And why? Well, because prayer is such a valuable component of our spiritual journey. When it comes to applying biblical principles in my life, whether it's prayer, dealing with anger, forgiveness, or any other topic, I always go back to this verse found in James. But rather than read it to you, I'd like you to read it to yourself. It's on the screen now. And I'd like you to read it out loud, wherever you are. Say it one more time. If you're watching this message with someone else, say it to them. So my follow-up question is, what kind of tone did you hear? Was it neutral? Was it stern? Was it mean? Was it sassy? You know, I, my default hearing of it kind of sounds like this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's condescending. It's demanding. It doesn't sound very pleasant. But I want to read it in the tone that I think is better suited for our context today. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This is the tone of a loving father, a father that wants to see you and I succeed in life, to do better, to grow in his likeness. And I'll continue with this entire text that we'll be looking at today. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in everything they do. And the first thing I want to point out in this text is written by, it's written by Jesus' brother. Did you know Jesus had a brother? You know, technically, James was Jesus' half-brother. They had two different fathers, right? Remember the Christmas story? God impregnated a virgin, Mary, and she became pregnant with Jesus. But then Mary and Joseph, they went off to have additional children after Jesus was born. And while Jesus was alive, the Bible was clear. James and Jesus' other siblings did not believe he was God. But then something happened to convince James. Jesus predicted his own death, talked about his resurrection, and then pulled it off appearing to him after he rose from the dead. In fact, James was so convinced that he actually began worshiping him as God. He became a key leader in the church. And as an aside, for those of you watching, not sure about this whole faith journey stuff and miracles and all these things, you're in good company. It took James a while to believe that Jesus was God. So here in this verse that we've been looking at today, it's Jesus' brother who makes this powerful statement that we need to do more than just listen to the word. We need to do what it says. And the word James is referring to is any of God's words, any teaching that we learn from Jesus, God's commands, and any of the writers that speak on behalf of God. That's what the word that James is referring to is all about. And as important as it is to hear these words, it's even more important to obey them and do what they say. 
In fact, the best measurement of how much we know about the Bible isn't measured by taking a written test. It's measured by the way it impacts the way we live our lives. That's the first thing I'd like to point out for us. Knowing what the Bible says doesn't mean it influences how we live. As an 80s kid, I grew up without cable television. Our antenna afforded us almost a dozen channels. I believe it was like 11. Can you believe it? How hard would that have been? One of the channels that we had would have these intense PSA 30-second cartoon clips showing, off, showing us how to live good, productive lives. And a few of them were, don't swim during a thunderstorm. When you break something, don't try to hide it. Go tell the truth. When a stranger calls on the phone and you're home alone, tell them that your mom's busy and cannot make it to the phone and never give that person your address. These 30-second clips had the same pattern. Kids were in a problematic situation, one kid made a bad decision, and out of nowhere, G.I. Joe would show up. Yes, a G.I. Joe character would appear on the scene, provide great instruction, and the kid would say, thanks, now I know. And the reply would be, a knowing is half the battle. Well, this was not a G.I. Joe original. James made this statement nearly 2,000 years earlier. James goes on to say, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Knowing is half the battle. It's easy to talk about things, but you know, we can become moved emotionally. We can make some commitments, but then the day, but then the next day it's business as usual. And we don't, then we don't do what it says. What happens? We're deceiving ourselves. How are we deceiving ourselves? Well, many times we're confident that just because we know about something, we think we'll actually do it. Every parent has seen this play out. They'll say, don't forget to, and every kid says, I know. They'll say, don't forget to wear your seatbelt. Yeah, I know. Go to bed. I know. Make sure you take out the trash. I know. I know. I know. But isn't it funny just because a kid knows what their chore list is, that they know what to do in a difficult situation, that they don't always do it. But before we're too hard on the kids, this isn't just their struggle, is it? We deceive ourselves when we eat something that's full of sugar that we wouldn't allow our kids to say. And maybe we even justify by saying, hey, it's organic. Or we know we should exercise, but man, who likes being sore? Or we know how to make our family happy, but work, it's really demanding right now. I'll do it in the next season. Yes, knowing is indeed half the battle. We can know so much that it creates a false confidence that will actually do good when it's time to do it. James also says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, the next thing James is saying is, it's easy to forget because it's so easy to move on to the next thing. When we look into a mirror, we can gaze into a mirror and into our face with a range of intentions. We may look in a mirror just to make sure we're still put together. We can check our teeth and see if our hair is on point. We can also gaze in the mirror with adoration. We can look at how we look and we're like, oh, look how good I look. Or we can practice a smile. Creepy, right? Full confidence. I did not check my teeth to see if anything was in it before I recorded. This could be bad. But as we step away from that mirror, whether it was a positive or a negative experience, we move on to the next thing in life that's in front of us. You know what happens if we don't keep things in front of us, right? We forget them. That's why it's so great to set a reminder on your phone to pray, to read your Bible, to do a study. And there are, these are great ways to keep God's words in front of you. Well, as we transition out of this series and onto the next thing, 
I wanted to make sure we pointed out how vital it is not to forget the lessons that we learned. One of my favorite quotes regarding prayer comes from Oswald Chambers. He was a traveling speaker and author, and he said this, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Another quote I love that talks about the prioritization of prayer, even in the midst of our busy life and our hectic pace, comes from Martin Luther. He was once asked what his plans were for the following day, and his answer was, work, work, from early until late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. What a powerful reminder just how important, special, and powerful spending time with God in prayer is. And says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. This is a reminder that through prayer we find freedom and blessing. Prayer isn't this thing that we have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. We get to talk to the creator of the universe. It's easy to allow to pray, become prayer to become a chore, something that we should do in order to please God. But when we don't pray because we don't feel like it, it's a warning flag that we forget about how important it is and what the result of prayer is. You know, the Lord's Prayer is a great place to revisit and look for some opportunities to experience the freedom and blessing that we get from praying. I talked to a few individuals this week and asked them, how can you apply this series into your own lives? And I'd like to share a few of their ideas. Nathan McDade, he suggested that we take some time and write this prayer down and place it in the mirror where we'll see it every single day and ask God to show us an area to concentrate on. Sarah Erner, she said that she'll say this prayer before meeting with someone and she'll think through some of the aspects of the prayer and think through how she could apply this into the meeting she's about to go into. She may say, how can I bring heaven to this person's life? Is there a temptation to say something that I should prayerfully resist? My wife, Carrie, she said she intends to focus on the hallowed be your name portion of the prayer. She said she will continue to reflect on God being intimate and ultimate. Whether she finds herself sucked into politics and becoming more and more anxious and exhausted, she said it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God knows what's going on, that he's not surprised by these current headlines, and this is not out of his control. My friend Diane Karstner, she said she will focus on the aspect of the prayer that says your will be done. She will be praying for God's will, to surrender control and to not to take the pressures of the world onto herself. Me, I've been thinking about the Our Father in Heaven portion of the prayer. In my daily prayers, I've been saying, Dear Heavenly Father, as the intro to my prayer for decades. Well, I want to change to be more thoughtful about that. In this prayer, Jesus uses the word Abba, which is the most intimate way to address your Father. And so I want to just mix up how I begin my prayer to be thoughtful of who I'm talking to, to understand that God wants to be personally involved and intimately involved in my life. So what's the application for today's message? How will you use this prayer model from Jesus to enhance, even expand your own prayer focus? Well, as we read over the verse here in just a few moments, I'd like you to process a few questions. The first one is, which words sparked your curiosity in this prayer? These are some bold claims that Jesus is making, and how did this prayer help you to get to know God more? How can you praying to God help you to grow in your relationship with Him? The second question is, is there an area that you feel led to concentrate on in this prayer? Maybe it's receiving forgiveness. Maybe it's extending forgiveness to someone else. Maybe it's dealing with temptation. Well, as we read over this Lord's Prayer again, I'd like you to prayerfully determine how you can do more with this prayer in your own private journey of prayer. So let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what should you do? Well, we're going to give you a moment to reflect on that now. I'm going to start off a prayer and then invite you to ask God how you can apply this portion of Scripture into your prayer life as we close this series. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to reflect on a prayer model that you gave us. God, this is so much more than just a set of words that we can say. They are great to say. It brings comfort to us. But God, this is designed to be a model to help us understand the depths of ways that we can come to you. That God, who we're coming to is listed in these first three verses. That God, you want to know us intimately. But not only are you wanting to see into our hearts, God, you can change this universe. It's all in your control. And we look to you, not as just a a loving father who's stuck or that can't do something for us, but God, you're a loving father who can do infinitely more than we could ever wish or desire. God, you can actually use us to bring heaven to this earth and you want to do that. So we pray for opportunities to be that. God, we pray for our needs, whether they are bread or God, they are forgiveness or they are resisting temptation. God, we love you. Thank you for this model. And as we sit and reflect on it now, please give us the next step that we can take that's practical, that can help us grow in our prayer life and our communication with you. Thank you so much for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know Him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.